We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. This is your money school for financial winners, and you re-explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the tax hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim Magalese, certified financial planner and president of Cornerstone Consultants, Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group, Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. So, it's just going to be a rainy weekend. <clears throat> I hope not. Sunday is Mother's Day, and we want it to be perfect even if it is a little bit chilly. But the weather this spring has been all over the map, and it's been colder than normal, but we now have, we now know that uh, we have patches of good weather, but maybe we'll have some little bit of rain this weekend. But we're used to Northeast Ohio and the fast-changing weather pattern, and we've learned to make the most of whatever Mother Nature gives us. Today, to focus on now is Mother's Day, which is tomorrow, a day to call her out and tell her how much we love her and talk and thank her for all that she's done for us and the family. And if she's no longer here, a day for us to recall the memories and ask her to put in a good word for us with God. Mother's Day, mothers at the center of any family, they're the gravity that holds the family together. And no matter how long, uh, no matter how long the mother is in charge of the family, or how old the mother is, she still watches her, her uh, middle-aged children 
for signs of improvement. So this this uh, weekend, uh, possibly between the showers, we have to finish our to-do list today and work on our financial plan today so that tomorrow we can enjoy Mother's Day with Mom. This week, global equities have been mostly positive, but with some exceptions, such as the NASDAQ index in the United States, which has been taking some pressure you know, due to the rotation from the growth to the values uh, stocks. You know, the value stocks, the industrials and the materials, things like that, they, they languished all of last year. So now they look like bargains, so that's where the pressure is now. After the worst year uh, for the global economy since the Great Depression, the United States is set to lead a vigorous rebound in the West uh, as mass vaccinations against the uh, COVID-19 propel a return to a more or less normal life. Uh, the revival will come in stages with the U.S. and countries such as the uh, U.K. recovering faster than those in the European Union as the timing and speed of recoveries will uh, depend largely on the pace and the reach of the vaccinations. One of the things that the West has in its favor is the effectivity of the uh, vaccinations. In other words, the Pfizer and the Moderna, they've got uh, uh, efficiencies in the 95%, whereas the uh, Chinese uh, uh, version of the vaccinations uh, in some cases comes in at about 60%. So uh, if you're vaccinated with uh, the Western vaccines, you're pretty much immunized, but you're not quite sure what you have with the uh, with the other vaccines from around the world. Uh, economies in the U.S. and Europe are expected to fire, fire up as their shops, restaurants, and uh, hotels. They become, uh, see new customers, and, and uh, uh, these new customers have savings that have been amassed over the pandemic. At the end of the first quarter, uh, Moody's Analytics, uh, they estimated that there was something like $5.4 trillion of uh, pandemic savings in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, necessarily will be spent. Sooner or later, that $5.4 trillion will burn a hole in people's pockets. Uh, countries such as the U.S. and the U.K. are expected to enjoy quicker uh, uh, consumption-led recoveries as the governments close in on the vaccination uh, goals. In Europe, where vaccination uh, vaccination drives have been uh, beset with supply problems and worries about the side effects, uh, economies are likely to be uh, take longer to uh, take off from this COVID situation compared with the uh, uh, U.S. in terms of the comparison of vaccinations in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, the U.S. has uh, vaccinated approximately 255 million people, and right now they're vaccinating at approximately 2.1 million people per day. That was uh, down from approximately 3.1 million a day uh, uh, three weeks ago. So they basically vaccinated uh, 
than 45% of their population with one uh, shot, and uh, 33% of the U.S. population has had two shots, so they're fully immunized. Europe, on the other hand, has uh, vaccinated 165 million people, or uh, they're vaccinating at 3.1 billion vaccinations or jabs per day. And uh, they vaccinated uh, 27% of their population with one shot, and only 10% uh, are fully immunized with two shots. So basically, it's uh, we're, we're we have 33% of our population fully immunized, and Europe has 10% of their population fully immunized. People want these things to go forward fast, but you know the the populations are huge populations, 312 million in the United States. So uh, it takes quite a while to get uh, things done, and the same thing in Europe. China was the first one out of the COVID uh, pandemic, and uh, the U.S. would be the second, and uh, with this herd immunity. And the herd immunity in the U.S. will probably occur sometime in August, and in the the European Union, it'll be somewhat uh, later. So, uh, you know, it's just like a a war. Uh, You mentioned before that a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, that uh, uh, with uh, even 10% of our population vaccinated, we had reached the end of the beginning, but now we're starting into the uh, the middle phase of the war, and we haven't reached the point yet where we're going to get to the uh, beginning of the end. So that'll happen probably in the next couple of months. This week, uh, economic news uh, was confusing, <clears throat> in a sense. You have to excuse me because I have this laryngitis uh, <clears throat> issue that's come up in the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's, it doesn't seem to want to go away. <laughs> maybe, maybe talking on the radio will get, get it out of the out of the way here soon. Uh, so, basically, what we're seeing is some confusing news in, in the, uh, uh, the economic uh, reports because. Uh, uh, hiring in the United States unexpectedly uh, slowed in April, and it basically a sign that the nation's recovery from the pandemic was uh, uh, still faces challenges as many businesses struggle to find workers or remain cautious about the economic outlook. Uh, the Labor Department reported that uh, uh, yesterday that the U.S. employers had a Added only 266,000 jobs in April, and that was well short of the 1 million jobs that economists had forecast, and that it was also the weakest monthly gain since January. So uh, that's part of the confusion. The deceleration uh, came after payrolls rose a uh, only 770,000 in March and uh, left uh, total employment down by 8.2 million from the pre-pandemic level. So basically what we're seeing here is that last month we got this huge number of uh, employment 
916,000. And uh, <clears throat> this month, they revised that 916,000 uh, down to 770,000, which is a big kick in the pan. And they've also come in with this low number, 266,000 in April. So uh, the, uh, the question is, you know, what gives? Uh, the unemployment rate ticked up to 6.1% uh, from 6% uh, in, uh, in March, and that's partially reflecting an increase in people entering the workforce. Higher vaccination rates and fiscal stimulus and the uh, easing of the business restrictions, these are all good things that are converging to support stronger spending across the United States, but the uh, uh, the economy's emerging from the pandemic-related disruption is also encountering constraints on job gains and broader economic recovery as the imbalances in supply and demand for goods and services and labor play out. So one of the things you see there is that it's difficult ramping up an economy. In other words, in the big picture, uh, we can talk about uh, the big picture. We can talk about hey, the thing that's happening right now is that the uh, vaccination rates are improving to the point where soon, let's say in, uh, in the August time frame, we're going to have herd immunity, where we have seventy-five percent of the uh, population uh, immunized, and uh, the other part of the picture is that. The companies are gearing up um, to meet the demand of the people as they come out of this hibernation uh, due to the COVID. So um, that big part of the picture is still there. But then when you get down into the details of uh, each individual person and how they're reacting, how they're uh, coming out, even the people with two uh, even the people that are fully immunized with two shots, uh, they're not jumping out and uh, uh, saying we're free at last. And uh, so things are moving slowly there. The businesses have to hire people. Uh, who do they want? Who can they find? Uh, we've got the uh, the, uh, uh, the unemployment benefits are high enough now that... Uh, an unemployed worker gets $300 a week from the federal government, and the approximate uh, state benefit is 318000 so you're getting basically uh, $620,000 uh, a week in benefits. So that times 50 is uh, $30,000 a year. Now, that's not to say that you're going to be on those benefits for an entire year, but that's a pretty hefty sum. So what you got is uh, individuals are making decisions both in regards to their own individual health and, and what they want to do, and businesses are making decisions in regards to uh, how far out they can they can uh, go because uh, even particularly the small businesses they they're basically at the almost at the end of their rope. You know they got the payroll protection plan and other. Uh, stimulus is to help them, but uh, uh, that's been going on for basically a year now. So uh, right now we're going through, going through that 
confusing part where a million pieces have to fall in place and uh, they don't all fall in place at the same time. So uh, some businesses are cautious about hiring, ramping up hiring, and uh, others are reporting they can't find enough workers. Regionally, they've expanded unemployment benefits and workers fear uh, are coming back. Still workers are fearing, hey, how about if I get this, uh, come back and catch COVID? And you also have the child care uh, burdens due to school closures. So there's a million moving parts here. And right now, they're not all meshing <laughs> the way they should. In addition, other parts of the uh, economic news this week indicate that the home prices still continue to increase. And basically what we're seeing here in the case killer uh, home price index, and that's, uh, that's basically 30 years of data, uh, shows that uh, home prices have accelerated in February to about 12% per year uh, over the last 12 months uh, for the United States and in the Cleveland metropolitan area. And that includes Cleveland itself and uh, Westlake and uh, uh, other places east of here. And uh, uh, we're up about 12.5% over the last uh, 12 months. So the data indicates that uh, there's good news and and, uh, bad news in terms of the housing, in terms of whether you're buying or selling. Basically, it it still remains a uh, seller's market, and the prices for homes are increasing. So... uh, what, you, what you're seeing there in, in terms of, we'll, we'll go, as, as, the, as we get into the show, we'll go over all the details of the, uh, the uh, employment report and also the uh, housing report. And even in addition, the U.S. Department of Commerce reports that uh, uh, both uh, factory orders and shipments have been moving forward in March and improving at about 1% and uh, per month, and that the Institute of Supply Management, uh, they show uh, qualitative data for uh, April uh, that uh, shows that manufacturing and service sectors are uh, going like gangbusters and that's also been verified by the market corporation in their purchasing managers index for you for manufacturing and for services. That uh, you hear some of the comments uh, of these people in terms of the problems that they're facing in terms of uh, getting supplies, getting inventories built up, and things of this nature. Kind of gives you an appreciation for that. Uh, the issues that these people are facing. So, and uh, they're good issues, they're good management issues. It's not like, hey, uh, uh, we're going out of business. It's a matter of, hey, we've got too much business and we can't get the, uh, and we're losing uh, business because we can't uh, get the supplies to the customers. So, uh, good news and bad, good, good, good business uh, problems anyhow. So, this is uh, Jim McAleese. You're listening to uh, 
get rich loan, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host, Jim McAlee. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 888 We can talk about your uh, plans. In other words, everything in, in, uh, in the personal financial planning basically boils down to uh, what are your goals. In other words, if you sit down and... Uh, depending upon where you are in life, uh, what are your prospects? Uh, basically, the question is, uh, what are you focusing on now? And uh, you focus on that particular question, and then invariably that leads to other questions. If, it's, uh, if you're uh, starting out in life, it's, uh, it's uh, the car and the apartment, and... Uh, other peripheral things like uh, starting a family sooner or later and getting married and all that stuff. And then and you're uh, expanding that goal into uh, education for the youngsters and uh, maybe a, a, a bigger house. And uh, then as you continue on with the goals, then we're suddenly talking about retirement. In other words, basically life, life goes on uh, you know, and uh, we think we're going to sit down and make up a big plan. We do try to do that, but uh, uh, suddenly uh, there's a lot of things to be done with regard to raising families and working and getting ahead and, and trying to keep up with the bills and everything else. And uh, sooner or later, you know, you're, you're you know, 45 or 50 years old and they, uh, the house is paid for, and the kids are out of college, and uh, suddenly uh, you're wealthy. You know, <laughs> your, your liabilities are gone. But then it boils down to, okay, what are we going to do now? And then suddenly you realize that, well, you're 50 years old, and uh, you're going to retire in 15 years, and uh, that's going to be the end of your paycheck. So we got to save enough in, in 15 years to... Uh, uh, keep us in uh, in health and, and uh, prosperity for the next 30 years. So uh, let's go to the phone. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. How are you today? Uh, this is Richard. Hello, Richard. Yes, uh, I'm one who's called before, not lately, but I believe in 100% stocks. Mm-hmm. And uh, the argument for that is, one, the market has always gone up, and it also um, is an argument for 100% stocks because you won't get the 8 or 9% that the market has returned unless you're in those 100% stocks. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, 
But here's the thing. I'm terribly worried about the country. I think we elected socialists. The debt is running up incredibly. Uh, and um, I believe that the party in power, they have, um, since they didn't appoint Elizabeth Warren Secretary of the Treasury, but considered her, uh, they're going to ruin the market eventually. I just think they are because they're pushing socialist policies. Okay. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me see where we agree and disagree, Richard. Uh, right now, you know, you're, you're, you're going for 100% stock in your portfolio. Um, my, my position is that uh, I'm more towards the 60% stock, 40%. In, a, in, that, in that position, uh, varies depending upon uh, where you are, what your risk, with, with, how much risk you want to take in things in this nature, and how close you follow the, follow the uh, stock market. But really what we're seeing is that uh, uh, right now it's very difficult to make money in uh, uh, bonds. Uh, most of your money that you're making in your portfolio, anybody's portfolio now is coming from the stock position. So uh, uh, even if you put your uh, bond portion in money markets, it still gives you some uh, protection, uh, security against uh, losses in the stock. So I'm with you there. But there is another factor. Uh, the market always does go down some time eventually, and mm-hmm. usually from policies of the administration and power. Uh, but um, when the, if you are not in 100% stocks at the bottom, there's only uh, three to five days coming back up that the market makes hundreds of points a day. Yeah. And so if you aren't in 100% stocks, then you won't recover like you're supposed to. Exactly. So that's my point of that, uh, uh, that uh, if people have a balanced account of 60% stock, uh, they're going to go down too, just not as much. That's the only difference. And then yeah. they're not going to yeah. recover as well because they're not you know, completely in the market. But let's not gloss over that difference. In other words, basically, I work with uh, over a thousand clients, and basically, what we have is a situation where, uh, <clears throat> when, it's, when the stock market goes down, for instance, like in uh, in uh, uh, February, uh, February twenty eighth of uh, last year, from February twenty eighth of last year to uh, probably March twenty uh, eighth of last year. The market, the standard and poor index is a measure of the market, went down 35%. Well, that's right. Well, everyone thought that was the end of the bull market that began in March of 2009. No, 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 no. But Ken Fisher, Ken Fisher, I'm talking about how a person reacts to a 35% loss in the portfolio. People do not react well to a 35% portfolio uh, reduction in their portfolio. So what you do have to have is bonds and other instruments to, cushion, to, to, to 
to soften that blow and keep people in their position in the portfolio mm-hmm. until the portfolio comes back again. You, most people cannot handle a 100% stock portfolio. It's just too much. Well, well, that, well really, that, uh, I feel that it's less risky. If you put bonds in it, you don't get the 8 or 9% the market has uh, returned over not just uh, the, the age of the country, but over 300 years. Well, I understand that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but really what I'm telling you from a uh, viewpoint of meeting with clients and talking them through the ups and downs of uh, the marketplace that most people are not, uh, they, they view their portfolio as their savings and they are not inclined to put all the money on the table. So, if, uh, well, right, right. In 100%, you know, maybe you're, you're an exception, Richard. Uh, well, that's you, right. I, I have to tell you also, I have a reasonable amount of money, so mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt. You could say it doesn't hurt me, but I don't think the principles have anything to do with whether I'm in, you know, because... Uh, um, I have family accounts that i trustee for, and the ones who are in 60% stocks from March 2009 uh, are now uh, 2400000 behind the other two accounts that were in close to 100% stocks and still mm-hmm. are. Okay. And, so uh, this is a tremendous difference, mm-hmm. and it will never be made up. Because well, they just won't ever make it up again. Well, to me, there's such a thing as uh, watching your mar- watching your portfolio, and the risks that are associated with your portfolio in living a reasonable life. In other words, if indeed the idea is to get as much many dollars as humanly possible, then and no matter what the uh, uh, no matter what the consequences, okay, and 100%. But most people aren't built that way. Most people are built that, hey, uh, if I make money, uh, I can enjoy it, and uh, I'm not going to risk everything to make the most money. And that's just, that's just the way people are built, and you have to go along with that. Just like you're, well, uh, part of it, part of it is that that in the market, um, the, the the news and the media, um, certain people who are selling annuities or something like that. They say that the uh, not, market is a, is a is a casino. It's not a casino. <laughs> it's always gone up. No, it has always gone up, but there have been dramatic uh, uh, changes. Dramatic dips. In other words, if you take a look at the standard of four or five hundred over the last fifty years, oh, it looks beautiful. You know, it's always right. Yes. And uh, and then you take a look at uh, let's take a look at a, a one year and a five year and a ten year time frame. The longer the time frame, the better the uh, the uh, the stock fills out. But in a short time frame, you can see. Uh, drops of 50%. In other words, in 2009, uh, 2008, 2009, you did see drops of 50% in the stock market. Now, people. Well, right, but that uh, is the time of the, uh, Warren Buffett, who is the um, um, 
you know, he wrote in his book, yeah, when I, the market collapses, you go and buy every put everything in it because that's when the stocks are the cheapest. I understand that. And then we see that not just Warren Buffett, that's the stock traders from uh, hundreds of years ago basically say, hey, uh, you buy when there's blood in the street. Okay? So, but most well, people buy low. Are built that way. So, uh, but I think you, it's because the media much. is always saying that the market is so dangerous and is a stock, is a. Uh, 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 casino, which is not true. Well, so people what are, are believing what they hear, and they have to learn not to do what they all hear. Well, what we're doing is trying to teach them uh, to make that balance. So your your proposition is is said stock, which I disagree with because of the the fact that I cannot put a person on 100% stock and uh, calm them down when they've lost 30 or 40% of their portfolio. The idea here is that there has to be a balance between what they're investing in and what they can sleep uh, and having them sleep at night. So that's where you have to be. People have to be in their portfolios. And they have to stay in those portfolios for years and years. So... But but do you think that it is easy or hard to start to recognize a bull market? I'm sorry, say again? Do you think that, well, see, we've had a bull market since March 2009. And it's still going on, I believe. But um, is it easy to pick out a bull market? No, no. You just you basically you have to keep investing. Uh rather than worry about bulls and bears and stuff like that, you have to put, come up with a portfolio that makes you comfortable enough to get through both the bulls and the bears. So thank you very much uh for your information and uh you have a good day now, Richard. Okay. You're listening to uh, Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 281 Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow.
welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you know, when we were talking earlier in the show, we were talking about the generalities of, uh, of the employment market and the, uh, um, the uh, qualitative issues in terms of how's manufacturing doing, how's the service industry doing, things of this nature. Now, let's get into those, some of those details. Now, in the, uh, the employment situation report that's put out by the Department of Labor, uh, they were way off the mark. Well, it wasn't the, it was the, the, the Department of Labor publishes the results. They don't make predictions. But the predictors, uh, the economists, were way off the mark with regard to what they were predicting. The Department of Labor report focuses on payroll data collected in April. And it showed that uh, in uh, April, the payroll uh, data increased only 266,000. And uh, and out of that, the 266,000, 218,000 were uh, uh, private uh, employment rather than uh, government employment. So uh, those were low results compared to the previous four months. For instance, uh, if we look at January, January we saw an increase of 233,000 new jobs. February, 468,000. March, 770,000. And here we are in April where we're coming out of this uh, COVID at 266,000. So, uh, it basically shows that the economy is still grappling with problems. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, the big picture shows uh, great potential with regard to getting out of the COVID and uh, also the uh, expansion of the businesses to take care of all these uh, new clients. Uh, but in reality, there were a million people, millions of people, and making millions of decisions and uh, it's a fairly complex situation. So what we're seeing is that uh, we're coming out of it, but not as fast as employment-wise, not as fast as we would expect. And if you take a look at the private sector, the private sector in April, we got a workforce of 121 million workers, and we've only added uh, 218,000 jobs in April. So... Um, a, a year ago, April uh, 2020, that workforce stood at 128 million rather than 121 million today. So, uh, also with regard to the federal government, and also regard to the government, not just the federal government, the federal government is probably the smallest part of the uh, government workforce because uh, basically the Government, federal government, added 9,000 jobs, uh, and they have a workforce of 2.9 million workers. It includes the postal service as well as the armed forces. And the state governments, they uh, added 7,000 jobs out of a workforce of 5 million. And in the local government, where you have your police, your firemen, your inspectors, and everything else, uh, they have a workforce of 13.7 million, and they added 32,000 jobs. And most of the 32,000 jobs that were added in the local government in uh, April, they were involved with uh, uh, 
education, local uh, education. So uh, examining the examining the uh, uh, private sector, uh, moving back to the private sector, we see that there's a classification of uh, of uh, jobs in terms of goods producing jobs. Uh, those would be manufacturing, construction, mining. And uh, what the April results show is that the manufacturing lost 18,000 jobs. That might be part of the, uh, it certainly is probably part of the uh, trying to get these supply chains up and moving again. In other words, even problems like the, uh, the automotive. Um, the automotive manufacturers had to shut down plants uh, at least a dozen plants over the last month uh, because of the uh, shortage in chips, you know, computer chips. Uh, currently, somebody in management of these companies uh, uh, took a look at the demand and said, okay, we'll, have, we'll cut back on our orders for computer chips. Well, they cut back too far. So now you've got a lot of uh, automotive production that's being held up because of computer chips and uh, construction. Construction is going flat out as fast as they can. They can. But they're basically, I think, they're running out of people because they didn't show any, any new additions to labor and construction at all. And then you have mining, and they added 2,000 people. So... In terms of the goods producing sector, there's very little additions. That is a reduction of approximately 16,000 people in new jobs. So then if you take a look at the service industries, such as wholesale, retail trade, uh, transportation, warehousing, financial, professional, business services, and and, uh, education and health services, and and uh, leisure and hospitality, what you saw was in this particular report in April, you saw a gain of 234,000. So basically the biggest uh, addition was in uh, leisure and hospitality, where it increased 331,000. And that's uh, more than half the increase was in food services and drinking places. That was 187,000, and then the rest of them, the rest of the 331,000 were scattered among uh, amusement, gambling, recreation, uh, accommodations, and things of this nature. So uh, we also saw that there were improvements in social assistance, and uh, that rose by 23,000, and employments and financial activity. Uh, that rose uh, by 19,000, but most of the gains occurred in real estate uh, leasing and rental. Uh, of the 19,000 gains, 17,000 were in uh, rental real estate. So employment and the financial activities like uh, brokerages and, and uh, banking and stuff like that were down something like uh, 63,000. So uh, also, we saw business services increase. Uh, architecture and engineering, uh, they added 12,000, and uh, 
uh, 7,000 jobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, excuse me, I'll take a sip of coffee here. So, what you're seeing is that uh, retail trade uh, <clears throat> that dropped uh, 15,000. And healthcare dropped to 4,000, which is very unusual for healthcare because healthcare, you always need your doctors and nurses, and and that's always been a kind of a uh, recession-proof uh, industry. Um, so the average uh, hourly earnings for all employees on private payroll increased 21 cents to $30.17 an hour, and. Uh, so people are, are basically making more, I think, because it's difficult to uh, find people. In other words, it's difficult to uh, go out and say, okay, I've got these jobs, and if the person is getting uh, uh, getting a certain amount of unemployment, everybody is smart enough to calculate, well, am I making more money on unemployment than I am on uh, uh, working? So uh, they make their decisions. So in in uh, this month, in April, or in the last month, April was a complete surprise with regard to the numbers. And if you take a look at different sectors of the economy, such as uh, factory orders for manufactured goods, uh, you see for February, uh, the factory orders increased 1.1% per month, according to the Department of Commerce which is a good step forward. And uh, so orders increased $5.8 billion to over $513 billion uh, per month. And uh, that's been increasing 10 months over the last 11 months. Same thing with shipments of manufacturing goods. That's uh, up uh, uh up $10.8 billion, or 2.1% to 513000 So the Department of Commerce says that manufacturing is in good shape. Also, we take a look at, and that was for, <clears throat> that was for February, but then we actually take a look at the uh, numbers for uh, the, the quality of the numbers for April. And those numbers come from the Institute of Supply Management and the Manufacturing Index, and they also come from the uh, IHS Market Corporation and the Purchasing Managers Index for Manufacturing. There are two different sets of data and two different methodologies, and basically what they show is that uh, uh, the methodologies are geared for uh, a number of 50 being neutral, and let me back up a little bit. <clears throat> what these companies do is gather the information from the managers in those manufacturing sectors or the service sectors. Let's say we're concentrating on manufacturing right now. They gather that data, and the question that they have for their executives is, how did this month compare to last month? Was it better, worse, about the same? And they look at it from the viewpoint of uh, about uh, new orders, about uh, uh, production, 
uh, how about uh, employment? Is employment <laughs> up? How about uh, uh, price of products, delivery of products? And they go through a whole category, these executives, and then they grind these uh, results uh, from several thousands of the, of the managers into a index. And if the index is 50, that means that the uh, that particular Manufacturing, let's say, is uh, kind of neutral, getting by, not going up or down. But if it's greater than 50, that means an expansion. Or less than 50, that means a uh, contraction in that particular uh, economy. So what they're showing right now is that uh, the Institute of Supply Management is showing that the manufacturing index moved down from 64 Point seven in March to 60.7 in April, which is they dipped down slightly, but even at 60, you're way above 50, and you're still in a good, strong, uh, basically a good, strong economy. And the way to get the best feeling for what these managers are telling you is to take a look at their uh, take another look at what they're ta- talking about. For instance, their comments, what the responders are telling us is that in computers and electronic products, uh, quote, appears to be a general initiation of prices across most, if not all, supply lines. Let's take a look at the chemical people. Uh, upstream producers and suppliers are, are back online and uh, working towards full rates. Demand is out, outpacing supply and will continue into the third quarter when the supply chain is expected to be refilled. Supply and demand should be more balanced in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, uh, to Demand will continue as customers run hard uh, to meeting their demand and rebuilding their inventories. Let's take a look at what transportation equipment is saying. Continued strong sales. However, we have to trim some production due to global ship shortages. Uh, hasn't affected inventories greatly yet, but a continued decrease will begin to reduce uh, available inventories if we don't recover this chip supply shortly. And uh, uh, let's see, petroleum. Oil production has been steady along with market prices and capital expenditures, and fabricated metal products are saying steel prices are crazy high. Uh, the normal checks on the domestic steel mills are not functioning. Imported steel is distorted due to the Section 232 tariffs. Uh, uh, who is this electrical equipment and appliances? It's getting much more difficult to supply production and materials that are made from, with copper or steel. Lots of work on the floor, but I'm worried about getting the materials uh, to support. And for furniture and related products say that uh, uh, <clears throat> market capacity is, in most areas, is oversold with no relation no realistic improvement on the horizon. In fact, it appears that the demand will continue to strengthen 
leading to more significant disruptions. Uh, plastics in uh, rivers say, quote, in 35 years of purchasing, I've never seen anything like these extended lead times and rising prices from colors, film, uh, corrugations to resins. They're all up. The only thing plentiful in, uh, at present, according to the results, is uh, personal protection equipment. So basically, uh, uh, primary metals are saying that the metal markets remain very, very challenging at best, and shortages of raw materials is increasing, especially in aluminum and carbon steel. Prices continue to rapidly increase. Transportation and trucking are also a big challenge. And machinery uh, says that demand continues to be very strong. Supply chains, delays, hamper availability, and uh, uh, to get the supplies in. Basically, what you're seeing is that if you're looking for steel products and aluminum products, forget it. Uh, You're going to be facing... uh, Big delays and big cost increases. Uh, so uh, what we're looking at here, if you take a look at the raw data in terms of manufacturing, last month was 49% uh, was higher than the other month. So uh, numbers are going up tremendously in terms of uh, what's necessary and what's available. And... Uh, so that's what your supply chains are showing you, and uh, uh, that's about basically about where we're at nowadays. So what you're seeing, what you're seeing, is all sorts of issues and problems in the production, and the same thing is borne out by the uh, uh, by the people from uh, Market Corporation and their assessment of uh, the manufacturing industry. And if you take a look at the service industries. Uh, they're in the same position. So what you have is a <clears throat> an economy which is trying to work through all these problems of supply and demand, uh, price increases, uh, delays in uh, delivery. Uh, there's all sorts of issues that are coming up and they're working through them as best and as fast as they can. So the market is the economy is picking up. The markets are picking up. Uh, basically, what we're seeing is the, the, the working through the turmoil of this pandemic that has been with us for the last year. So, um, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Tomorrow is Mother's Day and the children and dad will try to show their appreciation and love for mom. It will be the little things that mom will appreciate the most. Moms will notice because they're loving and wise. Just think of how much you learn from your mom. All I really needed to know was how to live life at the fullest and how that information came from mom. Wisdom, she said, is not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand files at Sunday school. Even though many years have passed since I needed mom, 
to intercede for me in the crisis and wipe the tears away, I still remember what you taught me. Things like share everything, play fair, don't hit people, put things back where you found them, clean up your own mess, don't take things that are not yours, say you're sorry when you hurt somebody, and most importantly, most importantly, wash your hands before you eat and flush. Uh, we learned that warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. You can learn a lot, think a lot, paint and sing and dance and play and work a lot every day. Also, you need to take a nap every afternoon. And when you go out into the world, watch out for the traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Do you remember the little seeds in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down and the plants go up and nobody really knows how or why. So we all are like that. The styrofoam cup, they all die. And so do we. Remember the Dick and Jane books? And the first word you learned, the biggest word, is look. Everything you needed to know was there. The golden rule and love, basic sanitation, ecology and politics, and equality and kindness, respect for life in many forms, insane living. And yes, I almost forgot. He taught us how to love. And so to all the kids and dads, make tomorrow a special day for mom. Make her clean for her daddy. And to all the moms, enjoy your special day. It won't last very long. And so until we meet again next week, for more of Get This Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. Thank you for nursing me through all those colds and fevers. Thank you for believing in me when there were no others. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, Call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.